This episode of On the Hop News is brought to you by Thinking Baseball, the only educational baseball app for coaches and players that allows users to see, hear, and touch the plays as they happen. Narrated by a legendary baseball broadcaster, Pat Hughes, and powered by a groundbreaking database, Thinking Baseball puts you on the diamond. Whether you're the cutoff man on a hit to the outfield or the first baseman trailing the batter on a sure double, everyone on the field has a job to do on every play. Learn to do it better with Thinking Baseball. Visit thinkingbaseball.com or download the free app from the Apple Store or Google Play today. It's time to get your head in the game. Today is May 10th, 2019, and this is Friday's edition of On the Hop. Good morning, good morning, baseball enthusiasts. Welcome to On the Hop, a daily baseball podcast focused on delivering up-to-date news from around the league. My sincerest apologies for missing yesterday, but man, I needed just to chill out. Not sure what I came down with, but it knocked me on my back end. Anyway, let's talk some baseball, shall we? I believe it was reported last week that Sinclair Broadcasting, one of the largest telecommunications conglomerates in the country, had acquired all of the 21 regional sports networks owned by Fox. This makes Sinclair the local broadcaster for the majority of teams in the league. Well, yesterday, CEO of Sinclair, Chris Ripley, shared his plans concerning what he wants to do with baseball broadcasts once his company takes control of them. Here is a very interesting piece of that article. The acquisition will see Sinclair capitalizing on the new U.S. sports betting market. In addition to increased fan engagement and viewership, he expects $1.5 million to $2 million of new ad revenue industry-wide in short order from sportsbook operators and other companies marketing in the space. Ripley also plans to eventually allow viewers to place bets right from their screens during live games, similar to how fans can wager in Europe now. If you're interested in gambling, we're going to add on extra stats. The ability to do prop bets in the game, pitch by pitch, play by play, he said. You can play along and wager while you watch. I'm sure there are many out there that will love this. Prop betting can be fun and you can get involved, if your conscience permits, at a low entry point. However, there are some concerns that need to be considered. For instance, NBC Sports talks about clutter. Since the current broadcast of Emily Games is already bogged down with stuff not actually related to the game, will prop betting only make it worse eventually to the point where the games are completely ignored? I believe we can agree that a lot of broadcasts in baseball already are unbearable. I mean, getting through the World Series last year was very painful. Who wants to watch a game in which the broadcast doubles down on unrelated content? Who knows? Maybe more than I think. We will just have to wait and see. In a piece written yesterday by Yahoo Sports' Kevin Caddick, he feels that the Chicago Cubs have backed themselves into a hypocritical corner. That's actually the title of, of his article. So, we know at this point that Addison Russell has served his 40-day suspension for domestic abuse and is now on the Chicago Cubs game day roster. We also know that a Cubs fan was banned indefinitely from every entire Wrigley Field game due to an assumed racial hand gesture that he gave while being on camera during Doug Glanville's report next to the Cubs dugout on Tuesday night. I say assumed racial gesture because the fan has yet to be reached to determine what he actually meant by the symbol. All right, so that's the context. I'm now going to summarize Caddick's words into this thesis. It is hypocritical for the Cubs organization to take a stance against a zero tolerance policy in regard to Addison Russell's domestic abuse case by offering him a second chance while banning a fan for a gesture in which they were unable to confirm what his intentions were. Addison Russell beat another human being, but according to Theo Epstein, zero tolerance is not effective or appropriate given the circumstances. But what circumstances, Theo? I'm all for a second chance at life. I am. But no one says it has to be the same type of life. 
I'll reserve my judgment for how the Cubs are handling Russell specifically, but my goodness, the reasons and explanations are baffling. It's not the what I'm concerned with, it's the why that gets me. So, domestic abuse receives a pass of zero tolerance, but a hand gesture, which Epstein considers truly disgusting, receives immediate punishment without even determining what the intent of the symbol was? Again, I'm not focused on assessing the issues at hand, but more on the reasoning and the inconsistency that is occurring. This could be an entire episode's worth of content, but I'll leave it at this. The Cubs are willing to give Addison Russell, a man guilty of domestic abuse, a second opportunity. Yet a fan, who made a hand gesture on live TV that has many different meanings, receives a lifetime banishment without even confirming the symbol's intentions. Zero tolerance is not a good policy when dealing with a proven domestic abuse case, but it is a good policy when banning a fan from the stadium without proving his intentions. Got it. According to Bleacher Report, D. Gordon was hit by a fastball thrown up and in by New York Yankees pitcher J.A. Happ on Thursday night, and the Seattle Mariners' second baseman was still fuming after the game. Gordon shares his thoughts and emotions on the incident. I was pissed off. It was the second time he threw up at my head. You've got to get the ball down. If you can't throw that pitch, don't throw it. I got a family. You need to get the ball blank down. That's twice. Now, Gordon is pissed, and, and I get that. Pain makes us angry, and we have, to, we have to direct those internal emotions or rage somewhere. And in this case, it was towards the Yankees pitcher. But what I don't understand is the I got a family comment. That would seem to imply that Gordon felt that Hap threw up and in on purpose. And although I feel the pitch went where Hap wanted it to, it's his strategy to brush players back after all. I do not think the intentions were to induce harm. And I truly don't think Gordon thinks that either due to his comment I just read, but that's why the line, I got a family, seems either out of place or really he was implying that he thinks Hap wanted to hurt him. I don't know, it just seems a little confusing. By the way, the x-rays on his wrist are inconclusive and Gordon will probably be day-to-day until some more definitive results are discovered. Now, if you go back and look at the play, there are two things to note. Gordon likes to crowd the play. Players who do this need to understand that having balls thrown close to you will happen if you hover over home plate. Number two, if Gordon hadn't have started his swing, the ball would have missed the bat and his wrist altogether. If Hap was intentionally trying to knock Gordon on his butt, Gordon never even would have had the chance to get the barrel off his shoulder, figuratively speaking, of course. And your list updates. Lots to get through today, so please refer to the show notes for sources as I may forget to mention them. Outfitter Austin Meadows is expected to be activated from the 10-day injured list prior to the Rays game with the Yankees today. Meadows will take the 25-man roster spot left open by Nate Lowe, who was sent back down to AAA following yesterday's game. Meadows is off to a hot start and has been very integral to Tampa's early 2019 success. Having him back in the lineup will only help the team continue to dominate. The Mets announced on Thursday that starter Steven Matz has been placed on the 10-day injured list retroactive to May 5th, I believe, due to radial nerve discomfort. Matz should not be silent for long, and he will start next Thursday, assuming that there are no setbacks. The lefty has a 3.86 ERA with 32 strikeouts and nine walks across 35 innings this season. According to Bleacher Report, the San Francisco Giants announced Thursday that they have placed catcher Buster Posey and left-handed starting pitcher Drew Pomerantz on the injured list. Posey is on the seven-day concussion injured list. This is the second time in Posey's career that he will miss games because of a concussion. When you're dealing with the brain, you've got to be cautious, Posey said. I definitely value who I am and will be as a husband and father first and foremost. At the same time, I enjoy doing my job and plan on doing my job. Pomerantz landed on the 10-day injured list with a left lat strain. Pomerantz's trip to the IL comes amid a 1-4 start to the season with a 5.93 ERA. His last appearance came May 6 when he gave up 7 earned runs and 1.2 innings against the Reds. Pirates reliever Nick Birdie has been diagnosed with a nerve injury in his pitching arm. 
He'll remain shut down until at least early June. Now, although Bernie will miss another month of action, the news does keep getting better. Initially, doctors assume that he may have torn his ulnar collateral ligament. But according to MLB trade rumor, it seems the primary cause of the pain in Bernie's biceps was this nerve issue. Several pitchers have undergone the same procedure in recent seasons to address nerve ailments in their pitching arms. It's not clear that a surgical approach is a consideration at the moment. Jed Lowry's official Mets debut will wait a few more days as the infielder will play in more minor league rehab games through the weekend rather than be activated off the injured list today. Lowry has yet to play the season due to a capsule strain in his left knee, and the Mets want to give the veteran infielder more time to get ready. The 35-year-old Lowry signed a two-year, $20 million contract with New York. It'll be interesting to see how he can help the club out once he returns. Oakland A's manager Bob Melvin told Susan Sluster of the San Francisco Chronicle that the A's hope to have Chris Davis back in the lineup for Friday's game. Davis sustained the injury, crashing into the wall to make a catch in fell territory on Sunday, which necessitated an early removal from the game. He actually attempted to return on Wednesday, though he was removed in the fifth inning once his hip caused some more discomfort. Hopefully he can start and finish today's contest. Quick takes. According to ESPN, after breaking his old bat during a late April plate appearance in Phoenix, Bryant grabbed his backup bat, the axe bat, and homered on his first swing with it. He had never used the unique look in lumber, but since then, that's all he has been swinging. Here's what Brian has to say. I've been having good at bats, so I don't know if it's the bat or what, but it's always nice to use a new one and hit a home run. Axe bats are becoming increasingly more widely used throughout the league. Red Sox outfielder Mookie Betts seems to really like his, although it may have failed him earlier in the year. I think that was more of the player, not the bat. Anyway, Chris Bryant adds, there's a lot of science behind it. How the bat naturally comes to the zone, how it falls into the zone, you don't have to work for it. I like the idea behind it. Keep it up, Bryant. The Cubs need a distraction from all of their recent, well, distractions. Now, I may be a little late to the party with this one, but I wanted to give it my MLB record that's created just to make a player feel better about themselves award. According to NBC Sports, Rangers outfielder Joey Gallo hit his 100th career home run on Wednesday afternoon, a two-run home run off Pirates Nick Kingham that cleared the seats in center field at PNC Park, breaking a scoreless tie. That's not, that's not the story. As MLB.com Sarah Lang notes, Gallo is the first player in baseball history to reach 100 career home runs before 100 singles. Yay! Former Chicago White Sox and Boston Red Sox pitcher Bobby Jinks will receive $5.1 million in an out-of-court settlement to resolve a medical malpractice lawsuit against Massachusetts General Hospital and Dr. Kirkham Wood, according to Bleach Report's finding via Jonathan Saltzman of the Boston Globe. That was one really long sentence. Dr. Wood performed a spinal decompression surgery on Jinx in December 2011. However, Saltzman reported that Dr. Wood operated on Jinx while overseeing another procedure at the same time. The practice is known as concurrent surgery. Jinx suffered complications after the surgery and never pitched in the big leagues again. Now, please take a look at the show notes for the more exhaustive history concerning this story, but I definitely think Jinx had a case. And so did the lawyers because he won. Angel slugger Albert Pujols hit another milestone on Thursday when he registered the 2000th RBI of his career with a solo home run against the Detroit Tigers in the third inning. Unfortunately, the bigger story here is the fan that caught the 10-time All-Stars home run declined to give the ball back to him. Now, there's been plenty of back and forth on what should or shouldn't have been done by the fan, personnel at the stadium, or the organizations involved. So who knows what the true story is? But Pujols doesn't care. He has this to say, he can have that piece of history. It's for the fans and what we play for, too. He has the right to keep it. The ball went in the stands, so I would never fight anybody to give anything back. That's a great sentiment by Pujols, an all-star player with an all-star comment. And again, 
Late to the party on this one. But according to Yahoo Sports, it was revealed on Wednesday that Pete Alonso received a stern talking to from home plate umpire Bill Miller after his bat flip on Tuesday night. Once Alonso arrived back at home plate after jogging around the bases, umpire Bill Miller said, hey, that almost hit me. And Alonso responded with, look, I'm really sorry. It got stuck in my hands. It won't happen again. It's a common mistake. Now, if you go back to the replay, the bat is nowhere close to the umpire. It was one of the most overdramatic performances I've ever seen. And I've seen the nutcracker in person. His reaction was so exaggerated that the catcher panicked as well until he realized, yeah, that's not even close. Recently, Seattle Mariners pitcher Yasui Kikuchi, I'm probably saying that wrong, was caught on video with what looked like a ridiculous amount of pine tar smeared underneath the bill of his cap. I mean, just go and look at the images. It couldn't be more obvious. Typically, when pitchers cheat, they try to be a little more discreet. Because if you get away with it in baseball, it's not cheating. Always looking for an advantage. You would think, with this substance being in plain sight, MLB would use this as a perfect opportunity to make an example out of cheaters, right? Nope. Nothing. Nada. Radio silence. It could be that the Yankees didn't actually think it was affecting the pitches. Because if it doesn't give an unfair advantage, then why mention it, right? That's not sarcasm, believe it or not. That's actually a question. If it's not giving an unfair advantage, then it's fair. And if it's fair, then how can it be illegal, right? This sounds a little messed up and inconsistent on paper, but in practice, it's how things operate. Not sure if this is a good look or not. Picking and choosing which rules and in which context these rules are enforced. It's going to come back and bite the league officials in the butt, honestly. Just make substances legal so we can move on. And finally, according to NBC Sports Chicago, Tim Anderson is putting his money where his wheels are. The White Sox shortstop announced this week on Instagram that he's pledging $500 to his League of Leaders anti-violence charity for every stolen base he racks up during the 2019 season. This could end up being some serious cash, too considering he currently leads baseball with 12 stolen bases and is on pace to swipe more than 40. There are other ways in which us lowly peasants, such as you or I, can participate through pledges. More information can be found in the link in the show notes. Now, I think he should still give money when he is caught stealing, but it's just a lower amount. This may encourage him to work even harder at stealing a base. Just a thought. That'll do it for me. Thanks so much for tuning in to Friday's edition of On The Hop News. Have an awesome weekend and make sure you show some love to your mom, your grandma, your wife, or any other special female in your life. They certainly do deserve it. Talk with you on Monday. I'm out.